Hi everyone and welcome to the Polygon Forest. I am Vin. And I'm Chris. Uh, let's do this. So uh, today we're going to be talking about, uh, what are we going to talk about? We've got some uh, further talk about backwards compatibility and also uh, mentioning a little bit about the sort of stuff that's happening around Sony with MLB The Show. But first, Mr. Jarvis, episode Hello. three, what have you been playing? I'm still playing Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh yeah, and how's, how's that going? I'm loving it. Yeah. I'm absolutely loving it. It is up there on my short list of the best video games i've ever played i would say wow okay yeah it's just the more i play the more i find which i love about games the one thing i love about games is they keep surprising you as you play like in the old days you'd have the tutorial and the game would be this and then you'd know where you were and then the rest yeah. of the game was just story and going through the motions and that was great and you could build great things but this is just like mechanics all over the shop and uh, you know ammunition different types tell me what to do and i'm learning new things and yeah. yeah i do i do remember the game introduced some things really really well like the pay like how they paced out new mechanics and new ideas in the game yeah like i remember like i was never i never got bored like at any point it was never overwhelming or anything so yeah and i've just figured out that each enemy has their own weaknesses as well and so that's adding a whole new game thing. changer yeah. So I'm like, oh, I can choose. I'd like whatever ammo, ammo I choose is going to make a difference for this. Very cool. So yeah, I'm loving so having it. A good, having a good time with it. I am having a good time. As soon as this is done, and as soon as I've started doing some editing, I'm probably going to whack whack it on again. Yeah, That's, I need to replay it. Like I, I got the platinum on it. Um, as soon as I played it, but put about hundred hours into that game, and yeah. then just never went back to it. And I. I really need to replay it, especially like in the run up to the second one. Like you've hit perfect timing on this, really, if you think about it. Because yeah. by the time you're done, you're ready and done with this, it's going to be, you know, you're about six months away from the sequel. So yeah, perfect. It is great timing. So yeah, that's all down to PlayStation, really. It was always on my shortlist, but because, mm. it, because it was free with the PlayStation, is it PlayStation uh, now? Or it's the, the, uh, the play at home. subscription. Play at home, like incentive or something. I think yes. it is. So it's like a monthly subscription that you can opt in or out of any time. Yeah. Uh, so it's only cost me like nine quid, I think. Awesome. Yeah, so, you, can't, you can't argue with that, can you? So there'll be a lot of people in my shoes, I think. Yeah. Like, comment, subscribe if you're also playing Horizon Zero Dawn. Because yeah, please the, do. Yeah. You'll, you'll definitely be hearing more about it, I'm sure, like over the next couple of weeks. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to be at the same sort of level as other people, like all awesome. now. So there's probably a community that I should probably reach out to that are discovering it for the first time i can imagine there is i mean i can't i can't see why there wouldn't be especially because whenever they make games free on that service like it just i bet like the it, numbers it just, just spikes again you know it goes straight yeah. up especially with a game like horizon like it's such a great game and there's a whole new community finding that game now because i think it only just came out on pc over the last sort of six months to a year or something so yeah so and there is kind of plays into the compatibility that's cool that we're gonna absolutely talk about yeah. so in some ways playstation is doing the right thing and in yeah. others maybe they're not yeah maybe yeah uh, we'll what have you anyway. been playing anyway uh pretty much same as last week like i was playing a bit of uh, the master chief collection just came to the end of odst or near the end i think i am 
Um, mm. So I'm about to go into Halo 4, like in the sort of chronological order of everything. But um, I also uh, bought Neo 2 last night. I just started playing that. I uh, played the hell out of the first game, so I figured, yeah, I might as well give the uh, remaster of the second game on the PS5 a go. Mm. And I've just started playing that. I just literally created my character, and I'm just getting murdered in the um, tutorial section because it's, like, it's sort of like a Souls-like um, game that's set into sort of like yokai Japan, and it's, it, it's, it's pretty much like a Dark Souls game is the best way I can describe it. Yeah, um, if anyone's played the first game, so yeah, it's crazy. I'm enjoying that's a genre so now, like <laughs> Souls game. Yeah, Souls like is what they call them, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, there isn't too many of them. Like, there's the uh, the Surge was uh, Souls like, and then um, I played a Pixel game not too long ago, which is called Blasphemous, which is sort of like a Souls like as well, but that's that's more like a two D sort of Metroidvania uh, Souls like, which is like a whole sort of like lengthy list of titles for a game these days but yeah. yeah it's it's that's that's the world that we live in so yeah but yeah i'm enjoying it we'll see we will see have you played any souls likes have you are you into them sort of games or you just... i couldn't i couldn't get into dark souls when i first played it i yeah for me like i for me i need a game that i can uh not feel like it's beating me over the head with yeah and especially if the story is really um again difficult to engage with Hmm. so for me it's all about the character's journey the story and for me not to feel like i'm an idiot (laughs) (laughs) yeah good Um, luck with that in in a uh, souls game yeah so with all of that and i knew it was a big time investment as well and at the time there was just lots of things that i wanted to play and so i never really got past the first few levels really i just think it wasn't it wasn't accessible enough for me yeah, I think I, d- I didn't really get into them. Like I tried I tried Demon Souls back in the PlayStation 3 when that first came out. I had a I had a bunch of friends that were saying, you need to play this. And I tried to play it and I was like, yeah, this is horrible. Like, why is anyone playing this? Like, I'm just getting murdered. Why is this fun? <laughs> I tried uh, Dark Souls 2 like a few years later. And then um, I didn't really get into the series until I finally got around to playing Bloodborne. That was the first one that did it. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, to everything that you've just said, like in terms of uh, characters and and things like that, like there are, like there's no memorable characters. There are there are characters in the game, but there's no to what we're used to, like a like a sort of catered story of going from A to Z, mm. like having a nice spine of a story, having like a three act structure. Like Souls games don't really do that. It's it's all no. like really heavily law based, and it's yeah, it's just. It's all about the gameplay, basically, in those games. Um, people will argue that there is, like, oh, there's so much story. You just haven't found yeah. it. You need to dig into it and all this sort of stuff. But it never, yeah. you know, you have I to be really, really invested in it. Story. I want it to be yeah, I'm the same. splattered on my face. And for me, yeah. it's just open my mouth and move it up and down for me to, <laughs> to get the story in. That's yeah. that's the kind of... Here comes the aeroplane with the <laughs> yeah. story. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same, I think. Character but... arc, yay. Right. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's I mean the difference between like Soul like uh Bloodborne is probably the the best sort of um most polished Souls game I would argue. Like a lot of people prefer like the the medieval sort of uh, aspect of all the other ones, but I yeah. I just prefer like the way that Bloodborne Bloodborne looked. It just yeah, it, it ticked all the boxes for me, but still still have my sort of Souls like problems with it, which is a whole different discussion but yeah other than that like but i'm looking forward to getting into neo too like i really enjoyed the first neo game because that was probably the most 
they're a bit I don't know, they explain things a bit better and the mechanics of the of the actual game and it does actually have a story in Neo. It's not great hmm. in the story, don't get me wrong, but it's it's enough to sort of push you through to the end and actually want to progress and not just like pull your eyes out because you're constantly getting murdered by things. But yeah. Yeah. And is also, um, Bloodborne 2 coming out on the as an Xbox exclusive, is that right? Uh you talk on oh, Neo 2, sorry. Yeah, but it's Bloodborne too. There was that built no, up by there's, plates. Yeah, there's Xbox. no, there's no, there's no um, Bloodborne too. It hasn't oh. been announced or anything yet. But what am I thinking of that I think is um, Demon Souls esque? That's Xbox exclusive. Uh, I don't think there's anything exclusive, but the, you might be thinking of Elden Ring, which is the next sort of Souls game that's coming out from uh, from software. No, okay, I'm confused because that oh, was well. shown at an Xbox conference. That was the only thing. Oh, okay. No, okay, got my wires crossed there. No, it's all good. Um, yeah, there's so many of them games, like you can't you can't keep track of them all. Can't keep the track of it. Especially like if you're not if you're not like invested in that franchise or not that franchise, but that sort of company and and everything that they're doing, then you're completely out of the loop on that sort of stuff, and yeah, you don't know the difference between Dark Souls and Demon Souls and all this sort of stuff. And just like I get I get my wires crossed as well on it, but. Yeah. There are some memes as well, which I look at them and I'm like, mm, don't know what's going on there. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not part of that world yet. <laughs> yep. that's, maybe one that's... day. Or maybe they'll come up with something that's just accessible for an idiot. Then Easy mode. Like, just put like, all a medium mode on it. Christ, like a normal mode will be decent in a Dark Souls game sometimes. But I know it, it defeats the purpose of playing the game. Because if they had a normal mode on uh, people on a Souls game... get upset. Not only would people get upset, you're right, but it'd also probably be a pretty boring game. Like I think mo- the majority of that game is just the, the grind, the challenge the, of it, the, achievement the grind of it, of, of it being difficult yeah. is is part of the the lure. I get that. Yeah, yeah. There's I something to be that. said for that. There is something to be said for that. Like when you do finally take down like your first boss in like Bloodborne or something, when you hmm. kill the uh, I think it's the cleric beast. Um, the first time you do that, you just want to jump up on your sofa and, and punch the air, you know, mm. like you're just like, this is the fucking greatest thing ever, you know, but it's just, yeah, get into that. There's a lot of sweat and tears of trying to figure out the games and you're just learning animations and things like that. And some people love that stuff, but other people don't. I, I sort of sit in the middle, like I'm, mm. I'm one of them weird creatures, but yeah. I can appreciate animations in bosses. And yeah. yeah, I'm kind of the same. I'm I'm in two minds about it because sometimes it just this the ludo narrative dissonance is just a bit weird. And it's like there's this massive demon that sidesteps for no reason, <laughs> right? And lets me lets me hit him with a massive sword. Yeah, it does. The legs does pull you out a little bit sometimes. Yeah, and I'm just like, hmm, okay. Yeah, that doesn't quite but fit at the same into time, the world of reality. Yeah, but also you know you need a way to kill this massive thing. True. This is true. Oh. So yeah, but for me, tripwires, you know, Horizon Zero Dawn, that's the way to go. Indeed, because it can trip up all the big monsters. Yeah, and the uh, killing the big dinosaurs is always fun. It makes sense. Indeed, <laughs> it does make sense. All right, so uh, moving on, we should uh, get into the news. Um, we haven't actually got that much to talk about this week. It's been a bit of a slow news week, which I'm sure like uh, people that are following the games industry have sort of figured out by this point. But. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. Hmm. Uh, so the first uh, point of news is backwards compatibility is back in uh, this sort of week's discussion. And when I mean discussion, I mean people are arguing about it again. Because why aren't they? It's the games industry. It's what they always do. 
backwards compatibility and games preservation, quote-unquote, is back into the news this week after a series of moves made by Sony and Nintendo has sparked discussion amongst gamers, like I said, a.k.a. arguing. <laughs> so uh, Sony have made official that they are indeed shutting down the uh, PlayStation stores of their legacy platforms, which um, we spoke a little bit about last month, uh, last month, last week. Uh, while the move will cut off uh, users for the first time from ever buying a PlayStation 1, PlayStation 3, PlayStation Portable, and PlayStation Vita title new, it will still reserve the ability to download previously bought games in the future. So if you've bought a game, then you can still download it even after the store is gone thankfully so they're not sort of removing that that would be absolute chaos and yeah that'd be the dumbest thing in the world so that's okay um the only other thing is uh interestingly the exa- about the same time last week uh, nintendo officially ended their super mario 35 anniversary celebration which you know isn't that big of a deal in and of itself uh but they did do that by removing a bunch of uh mario content which was sort of timed exclusive to their platform at the time so they've removed super mario 3d all-stars which is like a compilation of like the old uh some older mario games and super mario 35 as well as fire emblem uh shadow dragon and blade of light i've not played this game but they also removed uh, some other like several other pieces of content which is kind of interesting like they're just they were trying to make this whole you know, get it now and you'll never get it again sort of situation to make it like fancy and shiny and all that sort of stuff. But, is this um, what the death of Mario you know, memes have all been about? Yeah, there's, I think uh, Jeff Grubb has been pushing this uh, sort of whole idea of the death of Mario and it sort of took off on um, on uh, Twitter a little bit, but it became yeah. a hashtag like the death of Mario. But yeah, it was basically just ending the 35th anniversary of mm. the um, celebration or whatever. So It's a weird way to celebrate a birthday to remove content isn't it yeah well it's or is it is it is it more than that is it i mean they they added the content for the celebration so i think what they were trying to do like the idea was to do sort of what disney does and nintendo do this a lot because they sort of see themselves i guess like as the disney of the games industry which is debatable if they are or not and they they did this thing to say okay we're only going to have this on the platform for one year and then we're going to remove it and it's going to be gone forever so get it while you can like it's Mm. part of the celebration and when like they announced that everyone was like yeah but they're probably going to keep it around but no they sure as hell just like removed a bunch of stuff last week and it's gone like it's not on the store anymore you can't get it you can still buy it physical from the places that are still selling it but it's i'm pretty sure it's going to be out of production as well so they're not going to be making the physical copies anymore so yeah yeah hopefully that brings some kind of weird again another time yeah because if i do go down the nintendo console route next i want me some mm. mario games yeah i mean the uh compilation the ones. um yeah the super mario all-stars uh super mario 3d all-stars sorry is um it's got mario odyssey uh, not mario odyssey it's got mario sunshine from the gamecube mario 64 from nintendo 64 and it's also got mario galaxy so it's them three games okay which are decent like they're really good games but yeah. like the fact that they just remove them now <laughs> it's um, you just can't you can't buy them anymore is is sort of nuts weird yeah. yeah, very weird. Because it would have still sold. So yeah, is it the Disney thing of keeping it um, like artificially manufacturing the um, desire? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, if any other company did this, they'd probably be cut down for it. <laughs> you know, it's because like, Nintendo, it's... they don't really ha- have. Uh, there's nothing really comparable to Nintendo. Is it? It's so unique, yeah. similar to Disney. Like, there's no contenders to disney so i guess it is something that only these companies can do 
Yeah, it's and get away with it. I mean, it's not, it's not great. It's not very consumer consumer. Well, that's that's the, that's the discussion, is it? Is it's about like how how good of an idea is this? Like, it, it's nice to have have some sort of sp- special sort of exclusivity for the fans that really love this stuff. And I'm sure hmm. like a bunch of, like they probably got most of the sales out of this game anyway. But the fact that they just removed it like brings into question this whole idea of backwards compatibility. I mean, like I put in the uh, opening to this like games preservation in quotes because. Yeah. Like I, again, I, 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 I'm, I'm not of the belief that games preservation is really an issue when piracy exists. Like removing, removing the discussion of piracy and how pirates sort of preserve games in the industry. If you just remove that from this discussion, then it's sort of you know it's sort of, it's hypocritical and it's not really true to the discussion. So I never, I don't buy into this whole games preservation thing. But it's, it's yeah. an argument as old as the games industry, and because it's. It I dates back to the film the industry, well. really. Um, yeah. To me, it, pirates will always pirate something. Mm-hmm. You, the technology will exist, then it will happen. And obviously, it's an arms race to make it as difficult for the pirateers as possible. But right. at the end of the day, if someone wants to buy something, they'll buy it. Mm-hmm. And if they can pirate it, they might. And if they yeah. can't, then they won't. So the money that people lose is not is not related to how much piracy can exist in my opinion yeah, so the amount of pirated stuff does not mean missed sales because most of those sales most of those games that are being played by people that didn't pay for them wouldn't have probably wouldn't the have game bought them anyway anyway yeah no that's a fair point i mean i i like the stand i sort of have on piracy in general is that i try not to well, i say i try not to i just don't i guess like i don't um pirate any games that can be bought on another platform or can be like if the platform still exists and it's thriving like i think it's just ethically wrong to pirate a game at that point like people are pirating switch games right now and they they can emulate them on their pcs Hmm. like more power to them i guess i just i just don't think that's fair but if a games console like now the vita and the ps3 and the psp are now fading out completely yeah like they're literally removing the stores you can't buy them like any people for wanting to Exactly. In a year's time, if someone says, oh, I'm going to, like, oh, I'm really interested in the game that was on the PSP. I can't get it any other way. I can't, like, like I can't buy it firsthand anymore. So I can't support the publishers or the, the developers directly. Like, if, if I pirate the game, it's literally no different to me buying it secondhand. Hmm. Like, in terms of, like, financial gain for the industry itself. So, like, I, yeah, more power to them. Yeah, like, after after the fact, when the uh, console sort of been put to bed, as it were. Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. It's um it's a weird one. It's odd. I don't quite know what to make of it. The only thing that made me think was maybe there's something in the pipeline down the road. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it is fascinating because uh, I mentioned this last week the whole um the timing of this is sort of weird. The fact that they're sunsetting the PlayStation stores in July, which is around the time that they would do sort of an E3 conference. It makes me think that they might have something else up their sleeve whether that's something to do with playstation now or if it's if they've got some other backwards compatibility thing in in the pipe but i'm i really like the other part of me tells me that's probably not the case and they're just literally killing these things off so yeah with with playstation it's unfortunately it's usually the worst case scenario is the, yeah. the reality is yeah in terms of backwards compatibility anyway at, at the I moment mean, yeah yeah i mean playstation 2 was put to bed a long time ago 
and we've not really seen a resurgence. Like they had, I think it was about 16 to 20 games or something were put onto the PlayStation 4 store at some point, but they weren't the best games. Uh, the majority of games, yeah, then they're not too great, but that's that's pretty much it. They they let that slip out. So. And was it marketed well? Was it easy to find? Because I know PlayStation Store really. is... is yeah kind of garbage like i saw yeah, I mean, the, the other this day is, was this it? is the thing with playstation they constantly when they're talking about backwards compatibility they're always talking about the fact that oh we've looked at the numbers like people don't want backwards compatibility or anything like that they'd say oh we put some playstation 2 games out and when we look at our data it's mm. not that great so we're just not going to pursue it in the future they keep saying that but the fact that they've got not great games on their backwards compatibility uh, for the PlayStation 2, if that's the data that they're running off to go forward with all, like, all the backwards compatibility for PlayStation 3 and PlayStation 1, yeah. uh, Vita and PSP, actually, like because you could put those on console theoretically without a problem. The fact that that's the data that they're going off is sort of disingenuous, like I think. like the, I don't think... I think a lot more people would probably enjoy the games than they actually think, like if they actually had a market to actually show true data for backwards mm. compatibility and how much people do enjoy it, but... And if they had a better algorithm on their store as well to show people things. Right. Because yeah. I've tried to find things. It's difficult to find things. Yeah. Like when I went looking for the Uncharted stuff, it was tricky yeah. to, to, to figure out what to buy and how to buy it. Um, and it's all changing around at the moment with the with the PlayStation Now stuff as well. So it's Yeah, I think so too. It's, it's in a bit of a state of flux, I think, at the moment. Hopefully they'll they'll sort it out. Just um, move that on. But yeah, if if you bury a load of old games somewhere that people can't find them and they don't get played that's not a good reason to give up on them i don't think yeah i mean it, it's kind of funny like speaking about this story like on the on the flip side of all of this and i think xbox sort of took their chance while they could and they probably had this lined up for like in, in a month's time or something but they went ahead and did it but they announced that they were bringing a load of xbox 360 games to their cloud services the x cloud thing mm. and so they did a big media push to talk about backwards compatibility and how important it is to them and stuff and it's like yeah i know what you guys are doing <laughs> like, yeah they're getting cheap shots in it's funny I'm how it's lined up them. though because these yeah. things would have been like like a large container ship in a series canal it would have taken a long time to get going in that direction. Yeah. And it's just interesting that these things are happening at the same time mm. in the same media. Yeah, like, and it's crazy that it's happening between like scale. the three biggest players as well yeah. at the same time, but in different respects as well. Like the whole thing about Nintendo and PlayStation, it's completely different to what Xbox is doing and vice versa, but it's, yeah, interesting. Yeah, and it's interesting that everyone's doing something very different. That seems to be the major... Um, like signature of this console generation at the moment and games industry at the moment is that it's all very, very different. Like everything's moving in different directions. Yeah, that's a Whereas good thing last, though, I think. last console, it wasn't at all. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really interesting. Yeah, we've gotten to the point where the consoles are getting so close together now because pretty much every generation we've had systems which are completely different or different enough to be able to just say like uh, from a hardware perspective, okay, I'm going for that one because it's most powerful or I'm going for that one because it's cheapest or I'm going for that one because it's most user-friendly or whatever. But this time, like I think everything is just getting so close. Like the differences, the differences between the PlayStation 5 and the Series X are just so minimal. Like it's, it, it's ridiculous how close they are in sort of power. Hmm. Like you almost think that they must have been talking to each other to sort of like cut a deal to say, okay, how, how much if RAM you have use, you got? Okay, we'll do that much RAM yeah. and stuff. Like they must have flips here and yeah, right. Really minimal amounts. And now that the Switch Pro is sort of getting rumored to be close to what the PlayStation Four Pro is, like it's going to be really close. 
mm. to everything that we've had. But this time, like now that everything is so close, I think they're, they're starting to look at the software features themselves and, and like, how can we sell this thing yeah. in a different way? And it's, it's cool. Like, I, I like the fact that people have sort of staken their ground on this stuff because it, you know, it, it, it's only good for consumers because yeah. we're just going to get all these crazy options, which is, which is great. Speaking of options. Indeed. So uh, we should, uh, yeah, we should move off onto our second uh, story, which is came out of nowhere pretty much on uh, Thursday or Friday. I think it was a couple of days ago. But MLB the yeah. show is, um, is coming to the Xbox consoles on Game Pass day one, which isn't that big a news in general, but the fact that MLB the show is produced and created by PlayStation Studios is a huge deal. In San Diego. Yeah. So, Vin, I had to Google this because I had no idea what it was, even when I read the whole article. <laughs> what is MLB the show? MLB The Show is a baseball game. It's a sports game made by PlayStation. So it's a rounders game. Okay. <laughs> and For British guessing... people talking about baseball. This 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 should go down the tree. Yeah. So it's basically cricket, but with a round bat. No, this, this cricket with a round bat and there's yep. four stumps. Okay. And this is a video there's four. game. There's four. I thought there was oh, okay. That makes more sense now. Yeah, they go round them. <laughs> That's why it's called rounders, I think. Um okay. Yeah, which just insulted a lot of American... Right, I know. Apologies the, to our American the, friends. The 12 American listeners' right. apologies. Um, <laughs> yes, MLB The Show, baseball game. It's, back, it's the, compatible with PlayStation and you can play it on Xbox Game Pass. Yes, so it's it's coming Thursday that it comes to Xbox, it's going on to Game Pass. It's MLB The Show 21, so it's a yearly um, thing that comes out, but on day one when it comes out on both consoles, it's going to be on Xbox Game Pass, which is insane because the game is 70 US dollars on the PlayStation 5. I think it's $60, I think. I uh, know it's it's $10 more now with oh. the next with the next um, with the next console. So Oh, with the PlayStation 5. Yep. So you pay $70 on PlayStation 5. Now this is the discussion, yeah. Or part of your Game Pass on Xbox. Yes. Wow. Yeah, isn't that fascinating? Um, I mean, the wow. the interesting thing is like Game Pass. And I think it costs like two hundred dollars a year or something for Game Pass Ultimate. Yeah. Um. So for a good, like, you know, thirty percent of that price, like you're buying one game, which is sort of Amazing. nuts. Yeah. It's interesting so. because I don't. I, this is such a unique thing mm -hmm. because it's is it Major League Baseball? Is that what MLB means? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's. An American thing, and it's yep. a sport. That's very unique in the games industry <laughs> itself. It Is was it? created by. It was created by Sony, mm -hmm. so it's a unique game from a st Sony Studio. They've made a few of them, I think, from yep. the, the article. Yeah, yeah. So this is something that they're used to doing. So it sounds like a deal has been done. I would suspect the Major League Baseball Corporation. The yeah, society, it's, yeah, it's a whole, yeah, it's people, a whole corporation, I guess. The company, people in charge of Major League Baseball, they're probably the ones that would want it to be on all the consoles. I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing is about this is because it's developed by PlayStation. Like when mm. you watch the uh, trailer for MLB The Show Twenty One, uh, like the actual game trailer itself, or the Game Pass sort of announcement, first thing that flashes up is uh, PlayStation Studios logo. 
mm. on the official Xbox website, which is crazy to me. Like, it, just like looking at that, you take a step back and like, wait a minute, like this isn't normal. Like, you know, it's it's never happened before, uh, mm. to my knowledge anyway. Like we've had time exclusives and stuff like that mm. where games have gone over, but the only other instance where this has really happened, and that's because it was an after the fact sort of thing that happened was uh, with Minecraft. So Minecraft is owned by Xbox Game Studios, and that's on the PlayStation platforms. So when a new DLC or something comes out, then it's it's sort of advertised as such on um, PlayStation's website as well. So it's yeah. this really, it, this doesn't happen often. And I it's think- It's very odd. Yeah, I think the reason why this has probably come around is because of the, whatever deal has happened in the background of this to do with must the have affected it. people. There's money flying around Got somewhere. It. Some money is getting swapped yeah. somewhere between yeah. someone. Whether that's the influence from uh, the Major League Baseball Association, I'm guessing that's where they are, um, or if it's some other deal which is between PlayStation and Xbox because of something like Minecraft, like maybe Minecraft was only meant to be a year-long exclusive like after Xbox took it over, and then yeah. they said, okay, if, if you're going to keep having Minecraft and you're making a lot of money off that game, because I can imagine they are, yeah. Um, if you're going to keep that, then we need something from you guys, you know? Like, why don't you give us, like, a baseball game? Because sports games are huge. Like, they sell bank, you know, they make a lot of money. So, yeah, and they're quite efficient really as well, aren't they? Because once you've got the 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 everything down, then it's just iteration, isn't mm -hmm. it, really? Which is cheaper. Yeah. And especially if you've got a team dedicated to doing it, knowing what they're doing, doing for years at a time in some instances, that can drive the cost right down. It comes in on budget, it comes in on time, that sort of yeah. thing. When it comes to sports games, I hope that's an interesting take that you've had on it, that it was part of an existing deal. What my hope is, is, is that it's a new deal. It's my hope that this is a scapegoat to test the waters of selling well, games. Well, saying that, like, what, what do you think about the idea of like a Horizon coming to Xbox or a Halo coming to a PlayStation platform? Like, is that, is that the I, future that you would want as a consumer or? hundred percent. I, I, okay. I don't want, I don't want it to matter what console I buy. I know I've got to spend X amount of money getting the most up-to-date hardware. But for me, I don't care like what's, what the badge is. Like, I'm not a fanboy in the slightest. So I care right. about IP, and it just comes down to... Well, it, it, there's lots and lots of factors. People don't think there, it, that, that there is. But when you buy something that costs that much money, there are so many factors. Mm. And these this day and age, it's what's available. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. what can you get your hands on? You're very lucky to be able to get both. Oh, yeah. I, people are still having struggles. Yeah. yeah. Um, to, I've not really even tried, to be honest, because, well, my again, my financial situation at the moment is uh, I need all the money in my account. <laughs> right. You're, you're buying, <laughs> a house, buying a house. So, so yeah, then that'll yeah, do it. I can't have 500 quid just fly out the door. So <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I go back and forth on this a lot. I mean, the whole... Like as a consumer, obviously, like, yeah, I think I would want to buy one console and be able to play everything. But at the same mm -hmm. time, like, I kind of feel like I know like a lot of exclusivity deals sort of drive a lot of um, people to buy console A or console B. And like, they're obviously unique companies and they're on different ends of the planet and they're on different ends of the spectrum. The rivals at the end of the day, they're not going to pat each other on the back, I guess. So like exclusivity is the only thing yeah. they've really got. Competition Competition's healthy. Great. Yeah, it's great for the industry because it yeah. means you constantly want to better, better people. Yeah, I mean, if, if PlayStation didn't have such a bad um, first half to the generation of the uh, PlayStation 3, mm. we wouldn't have things like Horizon Zero Dawn or, yeah. you know, things like The Last of Us or God of War and stuff like that. Oh we probably, God. They just yeah. probably wouldn't have gotten funded. 
if they yeah. had like a normal generation, they would have just been like, yeah, we don't really need to branch out. We can just keep paying our third parties and get exclusive deals and stuff and we can just carry on as as normal. Yeah. But now they've got this awesome catalog, which didn't come out of nowhere. It came out of them struggles. Yes. Um, without exclusivity, them struggles don't exist on either side of the fence. That's why Xbox is having such a good um, generation so far right now. Hmm. It's because they died last generation. Like <laughs> just nothing happened and they needed they needed to pull it out so they could get back on top. So well if you think about PlayStation 3 era, so uh, you know PlayStation had the backwards comp- compatibility down. So PlayStation 2 to PlayStation 3, the compatibility was great. And Xbox was less was less good at the time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um and so now it seems like they're kind of swapped roles. I think what? Is it is it take does it take a whole console generation to to have these things happen or is this um, yeah is it, is it is it just different bosses because there's a new Xbox guy isn't there there's yeah like I mean, uh, Phil Spencer Phil Spencer yeah. took over like halfway through the Xbox One era right and I mean there's only so much you can do like but since the Xbox Series X came out that is all Phil Spencer now like that's I can't blame it on, uh, I think it was Don Matrick was the last guy who okay. introduced the uh, Xbox uh, One, completely fumbled the whole thing, tried to sell it as like a TV box set yes. for cable and stuff like that. The whole thing just died TV entertainment face. system thing. Yeah, I remember that. They made the same mistake on the PlayStation 3. They tried to sell that as a, a TV entertainment system as well and just it just Ooh, died. The camera. The camera the, yeah. 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 So yeah, now Phil Spencer's like, Xbox Series X is all him now. So like cool. yeah. Well, I'm impressed so far. Very. Yeah. It's 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 going really well for them. But yeah, I mean the whole the whole idea of like PlayStation games on Xbox and vice versa, it's interesting. I think I think it's sort of get we're getting to this point now. I think they've started to realize that there is gonna be a day where we're not gonna have consoles. Internet connection is probably gonna get good enough where we can stream games and it is gonna turn into a Netflix. And what happens when that day comes? So it's a, a Netflix platform. You just go onto your right. Xbox Game Pass on the TV, log onto exactly. your TV. TV's probably going to have a button on your remote. Yeah. Kind of would be funny when it Xbox and PlayStation buttons on your TV remote to come up and bring up the... I'm all in. I'm all in on that stuff, man. Like after after Game Pass, like if the if the connection... Like obviously we've got issues with like latency and things like that. People haven't yeah. got the infrastructure to play these games today. But I'm talking like 10 years in the future. Like when mm. we haven't... When we don't need bookshelves and bookshelves of our old games to sit there yeah you know like i'm looking forward to that day i can just hit the playstation button oh i can boot up horizon zero dawn for like 50 dollars a month or whatever like yeah like give me a cable subscription for video games christ please like yeah. I'm, i like i this is what i do with my time this is my yeah. main source of entertainment so i'm i'm all in on that idea like people are really against it sometimes and i'm just like why <laughs> like yeah. are you, do you still like buy dvd box sets of of like the Lost series or something, you know, like are you one of those people? Or do you, or do you or wait just for it to come onto Netflix? Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. like, why, why, why should we think any different for video games? And I'm, I'm, I'm all in on that stuff. I don't it's, know about you, but yeah. In this day and age as well, it's also weird that we're coming full circle, and the stuff that's on the streaming services is the water cooler stuff. So yeah. people are more likely to talk about things that have just come onto a platform. Mm-hmm. And that is becoming the social hub, which is really weird. And I never thought about that until literally today. I was talking to, uh, I was talking to someone about um, the, uh, what was the, the Tom Hanks Castaway. Film. Okay, yeah, it's yeah. come on Netflix, and so now yeah. that's the water cooler moment. And you can just imagine that 
like with Horizon Zero Dawn, it's it's you know a lot of people would be, would be in the same boat as me. So there's probably a lot of people I can reach out to and start talking to about that. And and that's a whole other element which you don't get with physical games. Yeah, I think. I mean, the industry is maturing as well, like the actual gamer base as well. The average age of a um, of a console generation of uh, a console gamer, sorry, is the same age as us. So around 33, 35. I don't know if it's, it's in that. I know, right? Because it, I didn't start at this age. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, But most gamers in our industry that are playing games are our age at this wow. point. So in 10 years' time, when they're 40 or whatever, we're going to have uh, one or two, like two or three generations of people that are coming in new waves that are all playing video games. And this stuff is just going to be normal. And I think the problem that we've TV always had... is foreign to them. They've grown up exactly. on, on Netflix and yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the whole idea of a DVD box set is just going to blow their mind like in, in 10 years time. Like your boy is like quite a young lad as well. Like when he's 20 or something, you're going to like, well, I remember these DVD box sets. Like, dad, you are so old. Like this is like yeah. ridiculous. And why wouldn't he you know like got, it's I've just that's Star the world we're going into and i've got rid of my xbox so yeah, why I there's disney plus right them. there i can't you know play what I mean? them now yeah it's scary yeah it's that's, that's the world that we're going into but yeah it, <laughs> it yeah it brings uh but i think like this is like this whole mlb the show like to sort of wrap this thing up is sort of going like i think it's a realization that that is coming to be you know like they're starting to realize that this okay we need to start testing the waters on this stuff because in 10 years time when this stuff starts sinking us we need to see if we can work with xbox or if playstation mm. can work with us and vice versa so it's yeah it's an arms race isn't it? it i think so i think it's probably going to be in the next generation i can't see it happening this generation no no Considering but i mean you know we're already nearly a year in which is scary yeah I mean, but it's kind of like i think back to the uh, playstation 3 like the PlayStation 3 and Xbox generation, they were not designed really for the internet in any respect. Like if you go and look at the, the original versions of them consoles and the original firmware on them, like they mm. didn't know the internet was coming. They didn't really think about like um, multiplayer that much. Like they knew it was kind of there, but they didn't really have the infrastructure for it, like the software. But by the end of the generation, they had to completely adapt to that. Mm. So like for all we know, like... The, these things, like the new the new consoles, haven't got that bigger hard drives, and I think streaming might come into play. Like if they come up with a good infrastructure for it, to say, hey, why why buy a new hard drive for two hundred dollars when you can just buy a PlayStation Now subscription? Like that sort, that's a a big push, you know. So it'll be interesting to see, like by the end of this generation, where we are with that stuff. Yeah, that's a price point sounds about right. So yeah, mm -hmm. two hundred quid for a streaming service for a year, or you could buy this piece of hardware. That yeah, sounds like a pretty for the same price for all the games. Yeah, like and well enough games to keep you entertained and keep you playing. That's yeah. the only where it, where it falls down. It's like where people get Netflix fatigue, where there's nothing on Netflix and think, why am I why am I paying for this? Yeah. So it's more to juggle, but this seems like it's the way it's going to go. Yeah, I think so. Well, but yes, we'll that's see. a good way to wrap that up. I think. Yeah. Um, which brings us on to what I've been wanting to talk about. Okay. For a very a long, long time. time. So, Vin, you're a concept artist. Am I? Yeah. Oh, wait. Yeah, I am. Yeah, you're right. You I work for, for Ubisoft. That is correct. I've been, I've been working for Ubisoft for a few years now. And that hasn't always been the case. <laughs> no, there was a time I was not an Ubisoft employee, correct. There was a time we used to just have a chat outside uni before we were waiting to go in or just after we'd finished, and we'd be talking about assassin's creed 3 was it or 
was three out by the time we was at uni. It would have been. I think that would have been the game that was either coming out or it just come out. I'm pretty yeah. sure it was. It was just coming out. That was a good time. Assassin's Creed Three. That was full of optimism. <laughs> you know, Ubisoft yeah. could do no wrong. They were perfect. Yeah, they were. The they good had days, some they? three great games yeah. for a great franchise. <laughs> and we would think to ourselves, "Those were great games. I wonder where the franchise is going to go." Yeah. And I'm sure we weren't the first people to think of it, but there were some people that thought, hey, Japan would be great. Wouldn't it? That'd be a great game. And so what happened then, Ben? Uh, yeah, I took that idea and I ran with it and then I got hired by Ubisoft because of it. Uh, Basically, away, that's a short version. Away the ending. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> that didn't happen, obviously. <laughs> I am not working on an Assassin's Creed Japan. Or maybe, am I? I'm not sure. I'm, you I'm, can't I'm, say if you are. Mm, mm, no, no. I I'm don't think anyone would think you are. No, I don't think so either. <laughs> but yeah, that was, I mean, that was probably back in 2012. We were having them discussions. I remember, I remember yeah. like sitting at tables with you and uh other people that were on our course and we were constantly talking about like ah, oh, where, where should an Assassin's creed go and i don't yeah. think there was a single person on that table that didn't think that an assassin's creed in japan was a know, bad idea was a bad idea it was only a good idea yeah and how but, it would work and the mechanics and locations and traversal and things like that because that's when those games were pushing the boundaries of the, tra the traversal side of things like the free yeah. running we'd never seen free running in a game before now it's like old hat yeah, but back then that was new. Yeah, there was a lot of there was a lot of new things getting sort of invented for that uh, for that IP and just things that we take for granted now. Just like how good parkour is, like in some games. I was um, not well, too long ago. Parkour was new. Yeah, even that even that yeah. in Assassin's Creed One, that was that was the thing that blew everyone's mind. It was like yeah. Jesus, like you can run from rooftop to rooftop. Like, just like the idea of that and like going back and forth and climbing up a roof and getting to the other side. And instead of walking around the street, you could just screw this. I'm just going over the building. Yeah, That's so many things were invented happened. in that game. I was playing um, Shadow of Mordor a few years ago. And so much of like their traversal in that game has just been lifted from Assassin's Creed. Hmm. And you think, you totally take that stuff for granted. But it, yeah, it is what it is. I like to call it Shadow of Wardor. That's <laughs> a good one. Shadow of Wardor. Yeah. And Why didn't Assassin's call Creed Origins, Assassin's Creed Oranges. Right. What, just on purpose or by mistake? That's the just real because, question. Just because. Just, right. It, 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 it first happened by mistake. And then I thought, no, I prefer that better. I'll keep that. <laughs> But yeah, like after after them discussions that we had, like it always stuck in my head, I guess. Like, and it was a few years later when I actually ended up moving to Japan, not because of that discussion. That would have been weird. You know, Assassin's Creed in Japan. Vin, good. I'm going to move to, there. You should go to Japan, Vin. I think I think that's on the cards for you. Yeah. Okay, definitely. Chris, I will. <laughs> Cut to a year later. But yeah, we we finished uni, and then I went over there to uh, teach English. Like I, I thought I'd be over there for a year, and I ended up being there for four. So yeah. It was that that was always stuck in the back of my head. It was cemented even more because I was living there, I guess. So did you was, go there to just change a pace? Did you go there to try and get in the industry? Did you think that was gonna be the way you would get into the games industry? I wasn't really I mean, the original idea when when I first booked the plane ticket, I guess, like I went over there to say I'm just gonna go over there for a year and probably come back and then try and break in. Right. That was the sort of thought because just the idea of trying to break into the the uh, Japanese games industry when I was still living in England was just 
that was a pipe dream. Pie in know? the sky sort of stuff. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm going to go and work for Squaresoft and we're going to go and make the next Final Fantasy and stuff like that. Yeah. Who, who the hell does that? But it's a lot more common than you think. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I never, never intended to break in while I was over there. So you were working on a portfolio then? You were building up pieces? You still kept drawing? Pretty much. Pretty much I mean, I was, I was there. I was there for a year and... I thought, like, oh, I'm probably going to go back after a year, but I ended up meeting my now wife when we were living over there. And so I ended up staying for longer. So the second year that we were there, I was I started getting itchy again. And I was like, oh, I need to start building my portfolio. I don't want to be an English teacher forever. So then that's when I started um, trying to, like, build a portfolio. And the way that I went around that was basically I would just try and come up with a new idea for a new game. I'd spend a month just working on that. And then I move off onto the next one. So then that way it sort of diversified my portfolio as much as possible. But so it's there that you decided to do the Assassin's Creed Japan. Uh, it, it was a bit of that, but it was um it was more because I was already applying to studios. Like I built up a portfolio over the second year and I was starting to apply to places and I was keeping like a tally. I had like a hundred different studios that I wanted to sort of apply to. And Ubisoft was at the top with uh like naughty dog and things like that like they were they were up there so i was just chipping my way up from the bottom to the top really i'd have gone yeah. from the top down yeah most people would but like the thing is like my portfolio was getting better every day so i yeah. you know i wanted to save the last uh, the best to last sort of thing i see yeah so i i was sending stuff off and just constantly getting either no replies whatsoever which was 90 percent of the time mm. or you would get like the the inevitable yeah you, your style isn't really what we're looking for and things like that and I eventually, like, I got to the top and I applied to Ubisoft and they didn't reply. And I was like, fuck, like, now what? Like, I've been, you know, I've been applying to all these places and just nothing is happening. Well, thanks really... for listening to the podcast, yeah, guys. Yeah, and that was that it. Was that a really was... good, uh, really good I've episode. I've been doing that for the last five years and uh, <laughs> that's it. Uh, if, you, if you were interested in this episode, then please feel free to join us next. I'm just joking. That didn't happen. <laughs> so you got rejected. Everything yeah. was a no. I've, everything I've, everything I've was black there. and bleak and all that sort of like, this is where the sad violent music comes in and I'm walking down the street at midnight, like it's raining. I'm crying. And you you're know? crying. All that sort of stuff. Like walking towards the uh, the off license to get a, get a pint of beer. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I was pretty, pretty bummed out about it, I guess. And then I ended up like just out of pure frustration more than anything. I, um, contacted the recruiter that works at ubisoft in montreal i was like yo what the hell is wrong with my portfolio i need some i need some feedback because I'm, i've been applying to all these places i'm getting really frustrated like can you can you just help me out point me in the right direction hmm. and i was pretty forward with him because i'd probably written to about 20 different recruiters over, over that year and none of them ever replied but right. he did reply that was the weird thing like he actually got back to me right and he broke down to me and he said, like, you need to look at our IP and figure out like what you want to, like how you want to fit in with our studio. Like if you want to work on something like Assassin's Creed or Far Cry, like most of our projects in our studio are just like photorealistic. And at that time I was doing like a load of fantasy landscapes, like really tropey stuff, which all concept artists go through. Like if you go and like look up uh, tropey concept art, it's always like random mountain range with castle in the background and a guy with a stick like in the foreground you know like, like it's always the same stuff your stick salesman <laughs> it's hilarious saga. stick salesman yeah i love stick those salesman, though, but they're so good i love what just that's like i want that stuff on my wall that's the stuff yeah. i love yeah it's good for illustration but it's terrible for concept art which is a whole different 
Calabrish, yeah. I guess. I mean, it looks good, but it, like, how useful how is that in production? That, like, how are you going to walk there? On it? You're gonna get, how are you going <laughs> to... It's going to yeah. ride a cloud or a camel or something. Yeah, but like, there's a really good website called uh, Adventures of Stick Salesman. You should go and check it out. Like, it's absolutely hilarious. It's just a bunch of concept art from different people with like this this guy with a stick in it, just like with a different like, in different landscapes. It's really mm. funny. But it's it's the age old trope. But my portfolio was filled with that stuff, like stick mm. salesman walking through fantastical landscapes. Uh, completely useless for anything that Ubisoft were doing at the time. Like, yeah, we're, we're working on, at the time they were working on like Assassin's Creed uh, for maybe Syndicate or something. Like, yeah, and you're okay. showing us fantasy landscapes. Like, this stuff does not fit. Yeah. Go away, figure out like what you want to work on and, and show us how you can fit into our studio. I was like, yeah. all right, I will. So that's what I ended up doing. Like I I'd sat down and I thought about it. And I remember like things like having them conversations with you guys in uni. And just like constantly having this game in the back of my head thinking, you know, an Assassin's Creed in Japan would be amazing. It's mm. like, all right, I'm going to do that. So that's that's pretty much how that came about. So you did the art. And for anyone that hasn't checked out Finn's portfolio, I would um, highly recommend it. You've recently updated some bits and bobs. Of the Assassin's Creed Japan project. I know, of your portfolio. Where yeah, can I mean, I'm, portfolio? I'm always... Yeah, people can find me on ArtStation. If you search uh, Vin Hill Art, then you'll probably find me on there. Okay, so but, yeah, go check it out so you know what, what we're talking about. Yeah, a bit of context. Then, yeah, then you can have a look and you'll see that there's some awesome Assassin's Creed type art there. So you've got yep. this portfolio, you've got these new pictures, you've got this newfound um, energy to yeah. create some work based on IPs you want to work with. Yeah, it was. I mean, there was... I gave myself a month. I think that's that's how much I sort of wanted to dedicate because I didn't want to waste too much time because if Ubisoft, like if I did these pictures and Ubisoft said no, then I was going to go to the next studio and then start yeah. working on the same thing for them. Because which no I, one is ever going to make a game based in Japan where you right. have swords exactly, and it's open right? world. And yeah, yeah. that's never going to happen. Never. So I was like, you only know what? Ubisoft. I'm just going to move on. Only Ubisoft. They're the only company that can do it. <laughs> obviously we're joking about ghost Tsushima, but yeah so i gave myself a month and i thought you know i'm just gonna i'm gonna work on this one month and then like move off on to the next thing which was probably naughty dog i think i started doing um like a last of us set in japan like straight after that so i spent a month uh just on these images which were um it's like a character design for a main character and i sort of had an idea for a story in my head so it was set during the Meiji restoration which is in the 1860s um, the time when the samurai are sort of getting faded out completely and getting replaced for like sort of like a national army. And that's when like going into World War II and all that sort of stuff. But it was sort of that transition period um, when Edo became um, Tokyo and stuff like that. So really, really fascinating time in history for for Japanese history anyway. So I sort of ran with that. I did some sword designs, did some uh, designs for different uh, cities and locations and stuff. It was probably about eight concepts altogether. Like, pretty pretty in-depth pieces i guess mm. but i sent them off didn't get any word back i thought okay i better move off and just so sort of forget about this and and move off on to the next things and that's probably when i started working on the um last of us japan stuff started working on that instead and that was that was in the october of 2014 and then on november 4th yeah, I think it was November 4th. Um, I woke up to a random message from a friend. He was like, yo, you need to go and check out Kotaku. And I was like, why? What's what's happening? He was like, yeah, just go and look. And I went and looked on the front page and it 
there was an article which just basically said, um, I think the title was what an Assassin's Creed in Japan could look like. And it was just a feature with all of my uh, concepts in, yeah. which was just ridiculous. Like it was insane. And yeah, that was, that was a day. I remember reading it and just going, that, that was my first time uh, where like I'd seen work and then I'd seen news happen on the work that I'd already seen. And it's yeah. like, I know these. This is on a major website. What's going on? And my mind was just like, Ugh. it runs backwards a little bit, right? And that's yeah. that that was pretty much my whole week, you know? Like just yeah. that whole thing, like just not really realizing what the hell was going on and trying to understand it. And I got in touch with the writer that like did it and he was like, Oh yeah, man, I saw your stuff on on DeviantArt or something. It was probably back then. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell is happening? But yeah, I literally woke up because I had a Google Alert set up as well for my website and my name and stuff, just in case like if any of this sort of happened on a much smaller scale. I was never expecting anything like this. Mm. Um I had about a hundred Google alerts hit me all at once. Um I think my personal website, which was linked in the Kotaku article, got Oh that's good. I think that got like 250,000 views in the first week, which I was really annoyed about because I didn't have any ads running on that website. Oh. <laughs> right. Devastating. That would have been a good bit of revenue. Indeed. But no, I wasn't. I wasn't. I was more like excited more than anything. It was only like later on I thought, you know what? Crap, I should have oh, put some, put <laughs> put some on ads on that. <laughs> that's cool though. So that's good. I mean, there's been, over the years, I've seen some like unscrupulous articles that don't even quote artists, but they managed no. to link your stuff and, and yeah i mean I, I was quite lucky with that stuff um because after kotaku did it like what happens like kotaku writes something and then it gets filtered down to all the other websites so i got featured on like an ign um daily fix thing in germany like that happened and then it got shown on um college humor and then it was like it just filtered down to about 20 different websites in about 10 different languages and I constantly was getting uh, pinged by um, Google alerts about this sort of stuff. And most of the time they were constantly like linking back to either the original Kotaku article, which I was fine with because that linked to my original website. Yeah. Or they found my personal stuff and linked it directly there if they didn't want anything to do with Kotaku. So people were pretty good about it. So That's cool. It's interesting they didn't, like, I don't understand why people don't reach out to the artist before they're doing an article. Like, can you yeah, no, they never got... do. They do the yeah. feature first and then just hope that they'll the sort of credit which they give is good enough yeah which is weird isn't it i guess that's the industry that's just part of it it's, because yeah. if you say i don't want you to they're gonna go well, gonna anyway right yeah but i mean they always say like all news is good news you know like that's yeah. the sort of way to go about it and it, and it kind of worked out in that respect and i've had it a couple of times like since where i've done other pieces which have been picked up because the sort of tactic which i go for when i'm working on uh fan art like i never I never just do fan art. Like I never just like, like if I'm doing the last of us fan art or something, I never just like draw Joel like in a pose. Like, oh yeah, we've seen him in that outfit. We've seen him look like that. We know where he is. He stood in Boston and stuff. Mm. I try and twist it up a little bit. Like I do an Assassin's Creed set in Japan. I do like a, a last of us that would be a, a sequel or a prequel or set in a different location. So it's just a little bit different. Like people know what it is, but it's different enough to be unique still, you know? So yeah. it, inevitably what happens, like other like outlets pick it up sometimes maliciously or YouTubers will pick it up and say, Hey, check out the next sequel to Assassin's Creed. And then it's all my Assassin's Creed Japan stuff. And it's like, it's not a sequel. It's not official. <laughs> it's just yeah. how it you is. You found a piece of fan art basically. And right. You're running a lie yeah it's interesting that, that's that happened now you work f for 
Ubisoft in Montreal. Yeah, and, and, that, and it pretty much was a direct result of that. And after after the feature, I got, I think I had about 20 different emails from different people. And three of them... Job, job related. Yeah, basically. Wow. People offering me work, freelancers. And that's how it works. Like someone explodes like that and you just, it's just instant work straight away. And I had... I had a couple of like indie movies to do straight away and that was super exciting. I had to pretty much work on those over like the Christmas period. Like I think we, me and my wife went to uh, the States that year and I was, I had to buy like a Wacom tablet while we were over there just so I could like finish off these, these concepts for this indie film that I was working on. Wow. Yeah. So it's crazy. But I had a few emails from people that worked at Ubisoft. Like one of them was from one of the developers that worked there that said, this stuff's awesome. We need to like, we need to make this sort of game and stuff. It's like, yeah, they, they totally already know about this idea. And then I also had one from the Ubisoft Montreal uh, recruiter, the one that I spoke to originally. Yeah. And was he like, he, see, I told you. Right. And it, he was basically saying, did you get any word from the art director when you sent in your, um, your Assassin's Creed Japan stuff before like the feature on Kotaku? Yeah. Cause I sent said, it all before. Nope. I was like, no, nope, didn't get any reply. So they, like the Ubisoft Montreal to work on an Assassin's Creed game pretty much stopped there. Like that was that was the uh, that was the realization. Like okay, like even though all this attention's come my way, like I'm still not good enough to work at Ubisoft in Montreal. It's just too big of a studio. Like the game is too big, and like I'm rightfully so. Like since since being in the industry now for like six years, like I know that they hire like the super seniors to work on stuff like Assassin's Creed, like the people that have been in the industry for like 15 years and stuff, like they get all the, the juicy stuff. As yeah, it were. Of so yeah. Which makes total sense. Like they're they're working on a massive franchise. So they've got to they've got to employ the best. Yeah. And there's all that people, you know, they all the people that have been in the industry the longest, they want to work on those big IPs. Exactly. And, yeah. Yeah. Why so, wouldn't you? Exactly. They don't go, oh, I want to work on this new thing. I don't want to work on the reason I'm work, you know, the reason I fell in love with video games sort of thing. You right. Know? Yeah. So, no, yeah, you're right. So, so, yeah. So, I can understand from, you know, the Montreal side of things, mm-hmm. the art directors, they must get a lot of stuff through. They must get a lot of portfolios. Can't even imagine. Stuff. Yeah. And I've since, like, I've since learned that there's obviously other people that have come up through the woodwork that way. Like, there was, like, if you look back at 2013, 2012 or something, there's like a bunch of concepts that were floating around. And I didn't see this stuff until way later. But there was a bunch of concepts uh, going for like a Victorian styled Assassin's Creed set in London. And I was like, huh, that's interesting because that eventually did come around to become Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Oh. But the person that did it, like pretty much did the same thing, which I did, did a series of concepts to sh- kind of show Ubisoft like, hey, I'm good enough to work in your studio. Yeah, I, I don't think he ever did get a job at Ubisoft, but he ended up getting into industry. And he's now an art director or something. I'm pretty sure. Right, right, right. So like it worked for him as well. So it's it's a it's a good tactic to go for, I guess. But so not the stick salesman, but no. IPs that exist. Stick salesman plus hidden blade, I found worked the best. <laughs> yeah, that gets you a job. So it got you Indeed. a job in the biggest is it the biggest video game studio in the world? Well, right now, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the biggest. It's the biggest studio in the world. And it's the biggest Ubisoft studio. I'm working at Ubisoft in Montreal right now. But after Amazing. after all the Assassin's Creed uh, Japan stuff happened, um, the last email which I got was from the um, studio head that was at Ubisoft in Osaka, which was in Japan, which was where I was living at the time. And I was like, "This is this is perfect. Like, mm. why not?" So, like, I 
they, we ended up starting the uh, sort of inter interview process for that, and I ended up moving over to that, and I was there for two years in their studio, which was a ton of fun. And what did you work on there when you were over there to, for those two years? <laughs> so very, very different stuff. I worked on um, a 3DS game for Gravity Falls, which is a Disney game. That was my first game I ever worked on. God, that was that That's was nothing like your portfolio. <laughs> no, absolutely nothing. But like sh- soon after that, we had a um, we had a South Park: The Fractured But Hole after that. Then, <laughs> yeah, which was that was a ridiculous game. It was a ton of fun. Yeah, um, every, every meeting, everyone was laughing. Um, learn a lot. I jumped around between doing concept art for visual effects and, and character costumes and stuff to doing animation and 3D art. Because the studio was so small, everyone had to pretty much do bits of everything. Like mm. if you could do something, you would do something. And if you didn't know how to do something, then you had to learn yeah. how to do it and then you did it. So, yeah. so I don't know if whether you can answer this, but I know that um, I think it's Maya that the show was animated in. So they made mm-hmm. the jump from 2D to, to Maya. Yep. Was Maya used in the production of yes. the game? Yeah, we we basically took because um, there were some assets just from the show that we were just taking and, and put it straight into game engine. Like the wow. the whole the whole part of um like the Ubisoft Osaka studio was to basically convert assets over. That was most of our job was to take stuff that was from the show, clean that clean up all the, the geometry because when they're making stuff, they just slap dash put it in get it in they don't care yeah because they're just they're not rendering it out for a game it's engine a to picture. be performance yeah yeah so we had to clean up a lot of that stuff but we also created a, a ton of original assets for that game as well, well the, was, yeah the costumes and stuff there's loads and loads and loads right of them. yeah all the, all yeah the so it was all it was all done in maya pretty much wow that's pretty cool and you, you start the first time you'd started using maya was probably at uni yeah probably so, so i I was only introduced to it in uni, but I didn't yeah. really fully like. There was times during South Park production where you'd walk in in the morning. I would use it for nine hours a day, and then walk out, and that was me for like six months. Just didn't open Photoshop once, sort of thing. Like yeah, it, which was weird. It was a completely different experience. But I'm glad that so I did it. It's strange that doing Assassin's Creed Japan and it getting blown <laughs> up on Kotaku led you to that. Yeah, which yeah, had nothing to do with either. It. Not even the same. It. Wasn't even made in the same program. No, weird, isn't it? Yeah, Straight, I mean, strange. the the only the only like bit of Assassin's Creed which I touched while I was at Ubisoft in Osaka was uh, one of the uh, character costumes. They they had like one of the superhero. Like if you've ever played the South Park yes. games, like they've they all act like Marvel superheroes, and there's an assassin um, superhero. And they were in a meeting, and everyone was talking about it, like, oh, what can we do for the assassins? And I was, I just turned, I uh, just. <laughs> Like, excuse me, how are we not doing an Assassin's Creed character right now? Like, yeah, that's a good idea. I should make that. So that was the only thing I did. I made an Assassin's Creed sort of costume yeah. for one of the kids in, in South Park, which was a ton of fun. Like, probably my favorite thing that I worked on, other than the uh, the bra hat, which they've got, which is just like C-cup hat. Hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, ton of fun. So that's like, <laughs> that's a weird sort of art imitating life, imitating art situation where you were imitating a game's some fourth company. wall getting broken somewhere yeah and then you're working on a game that was had an asset from a game that got which was from the game that got you the job but it's not the game yeah that's okay. my life in a nutshell and but then after, so yeah, after two after years that, then uh then you moved over to montreal was that, oh no you was living in america for a while weren't you yeah so after the um ubisoft and osaka stuff i thought uh, the next game that they were working on, something that's still, I think it's unannounced at the moment, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna mention it. But okay, it was pretty much, it was 
along similar lines where I didn't, it was something that was sort of out of my ballpark. I wanted to be a concept artist like full time. I wanted to work on environments and things like that. And I wanted to paint stuff from scratch. And I thought, okay, it's time to move off and, and try and find something. I've got a bit of experience now, so we can do that. So Project we moved to America. Too, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. So we moved over to the States. We, me and my wife got married and we sat down a little bit and I started freelancing. And then that's when I started getting a ton of work for um, like the movie industry. So I was just, I was working freelance pretty much for a whole year straight, like a year and a half, I guess, of just working on visual effects, working for visual effects houses, um, like Framestore and The Mill and a few others like that. But people that are outside outside of industry don't really know who them companies are, but they're massive figures within the sort of visual effects studios. Like Framestore do a ton of stuff at Marvel and things like that. But I was Mm. mostly working on, uh, commercials and, and learn how to map paint and, and doing concepts for like adverts and things like that for Budweiser and uh, Apple and things like this ridiculous stuff in, in and out but it, it learned it taught me how to like work really really fast mm. which I was really thankful for but constantly in survival mode that was the only thing which I hated about it I mean I didn't I, I've never liked working freelance I just don't like the whole idea of coming into a project, working on it for one week only and then leaving. And then you're just yeah. never a part of a team that actually grows and builds something that like that you can really be proud of or anything. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, after that, I I was doing that for a year and a half, making okay money. Like it was, it was pretty good. And then um, I thought I, I should probably start applying to see if I can get into any other studios. And I got an email out of the blue from the Ubisoft Montreal recruiter, which... I'd contacted back in 2014 to see if I could get a job. Whoops, knocking the mic all over the place. And he got in touch and said, hey, are you interested? Like, we're looking for someone to work on um, on uh, Watch Dogs. And I was like, yes, please. So then, yeah. Did you have any futuristic stuff in your portfolio at that time? Zero. Absolutely none. Yeah, this this it's, is the thing that it happens all the time, man. Like this is how it goes. Uh, and an irony, like I was talking about before, I only had like fantasy landscapes with stick salesmen and and fantasy landscape, and that was the reason why I wasn't getting any work. Still yeah. happening to this day. Like I've got all this stuff, and just I never get to like I haven't drawn grass in like three years. You know, like all the projects <laughs> I've worked on. But yeah, yeah. So but, yeah, I mean, I once I got contacted by the Ubisoft Montreal recruiter, we started the process with that. I got interviewed by the art director um, and uh, probably the associate producer on that project. And then that got the green light. And then we ended up mm-hmm. moving from the United States over to Montreal and Canada. And that's where I am now. Wow. That is a cool story, though. It's quite cool a story, bro. Yeah. yeah. Cool story, bro. <laughs> I mean, that, like, moving across the world moving countries three times, getting yep. a massive Kotaku, um, you know, story on the internet blow up. You went viral, basically, is what happened. Yeah, it was a bit weird. Like, I, I never like using that term, like going viral or whatever, but it, it kind of, that is kind of what happened. Like It, it did, because it was it, like beyond your control exploded. and it grew more yep. than what you could influence. And that, that was the strangest thing about it was like it just becoming it its own thing, you know, like this yeah. entity that just, I, I couldn't grab it anymore. I couldn't control it. I, it, it. It just ran away from me and that was it. So I guess people can't really follow your footsteps in terms of trying to get into the industry. If there's anyone that wants to get into the industry, concept art, is the advice still correct? You know, create the IPs that you want to be working on. Yeah, the 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 advice there is the same for when in the run up to what I did, which is 
work on a new project every like once a month do a new project for a game that doesn't exist like prequel or a sequel to a game like don't make it for a game that you know is eventually coming like there's no point in making concepts now for something like the last of us part three because we know that it's probably going to be coming or something like or horizon zero dawn horizon zero dawn two yeah that's perfect example like the game isn't out yet we know it's coming there's no point doing concept after that because you're just competing with something that already exists like the concepts of them games would have been done two years ago yeah. So no point. So people Make that are hiring, they're not going to yeah. be working on that IP yep. for this next time coming. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So make make concepts for an, like a um, Horizon Zero Dawn sequel or something, you know, uh, not right. a sequel, sorry, a prequel. Um, so something that happened before, like Ooh, something that day, you know that they're not working on. How the, how the dinosaurs... Ooh. See? There you That's go. That's pretty good. Yeah. There's a lot of... Like how, how the hell... Are, like we haven't seen concept art for like a pokemon mmo or we haven't seen i don't know there's there's so many ideas out there that people are screaming for or like a whole bunch of half-life 3 concepts like why don't they exist like this is like the perfect stuff for people to build up portfolios with and they just never do it and which is crazy things that would get featured on kotaku exactly it's free exposure i mean i i would never suggest to people like try and get featured on a website to get hired like that's such a ridiculous way to get hired i know that's how i got like my step in the industry but it's not yeah but you didn't you didn't feed that to a journalist you yeah. didn't you didn't proactively seek that it's just something right that happened. It, it's just something that happened and like that sort of but at the same time it, you, you're you trying to get it. your portfolio out there yeah so you're advertising on social media and things or your or your platforms like we said it was deviant art at the time so yeah now be posting on you know websites and things yeah, like art station is your best bet. I mean, yeah. the difference is like you need exposure. You need to show your work to as many people as you can. But the important part that people need to remember is you need to show your work to the right people. Like mm. it's no use you getting 3,000 likes on Instagram when you could get 20 likes on something like LinkedIn where, you know, like a bunch More. of art directors are following you. Yeah. Because I would prefer them 20 likes from the art directors than the, the 20,000 on Instagram. Because yeah. who's what you're doing this for at the end of the day? Like you, you're trying to get a job, right? Mm. Like if you're trying to break into the industry, then you need to show the right people your work, not just more people. Because more isn't always better in this case. It's all about the yeah. quality of people, not the quantity. And is it the same now as it was? Oh, that feels really old just saying that sentence. <laughs> like, is it the same now as when it was when you started to get in, in the industry since like 20, since 2014 or is, have things changed now it's changed everything changes i mean this is the problem with uh, universities in general because you get a lot of people that are teaching um, students like how the industry works when the industry is changing every three years which is a problem in and of itself but it's not a problem because like it, it's not made for the better um like where when we first started out everyone was on deviantart and like you were contacting people on twitter and say hey please look at my stuff or whatever that was that was about as far as it went. Mm. Nowadays, it's all like ArtStation and LinkedIn to get in touch with developers and, and ask them, like, hey, can I get some advice on my portfolio? Like, I'm genuinely not looking for a job. I need advice. Mm. And then they sort of get into mentorships and things like that. And that's when they can sort of, you know, get the get their foot in the door. Because you, ultimately, you just need to meet people that are working in the industry that they can yeah. give you a foot up, um, either through a recruiter or through other concept artists or lead concept artists or art directors or whatever. It's mm. just about you need to meet the right people and show your work to the right people. It's um, it's it's interesting how things have changed, and 
like uh, community managers, for example, they're so much mm. more. I mean, they were around when we was at uni, but they weren't as. It's a lot more focused now. Yeah, prevalent. Yeah, so yeah. they are. I wouldn't. I, I'm guessing the advice is don't approach them for jobs because that's not their job. No, I mean the best people to approach, I guess, is recruiters. Which I I have my own problems with recruiters in general, is because they're well, like the recruit. Some mixed advice, right. mixed results. Exactly. I mean, it depends on the studio, but you get so like most recruiters, if they're generally, if they look at your work and think, yeah, this isn't good enough, nine times out of ten, they won't tell you that it's not good enough. They won't even tell you anything. They just won't reply, which is the worst side of it because that reply, like that lack of reply, could mean. 20 different things, right? Mm. It could be like, oh, your portfolio is amazing, which is not hiring right now. Um, your portfolio is amazing, but we're only hiring people within our country. Or your portfolio is garbage. You need to work on it or stuff like, it could mean all of these things. Obviously the the problem with this is like, it's um, ambiguously negative, right? Like you automatically go for the worst thing, which is like, oh, it just must be like, I'm not good enough when it could be a myriad of other things. Yeah, which, it could be, I'm too busy to look at it. Uh, right. This has nothing yeah. to do with the IPs that we're looking at now. Yeah. You don't so, have a braid of, blade of grass in your portfolio and all we're doing is jungle games. Exactly. Or the exact opposite where you've just got stick salesmen, but we're <laughs> working on watchdogs. Yeah, yeah. Because there's no way you could have known about about watchdogs, I suppose. No. Or is, I mean, is there so is there anything you would have done differently? I mean, Look, so the... would you have started off? So now knowing that you've worked on the IPs you've worked right. on. Right. And now knowing that the advice you got was ultimately helpful because it got you in the industry. For but sure. At the same yeah. time, it had nothing really to do with the work you were starting off with. Yeah, so I mean, it's would so... Would you have gone and done Watchdog Legions? Would you have... So that's not my question. My question is, now you know what you know, would you have done like an industrial project, uh, a jungly project, um, something else that's a different environment that i can't really think of and characters like an assassin's creed somewhere else futuristic historic all the different genres would you have done more genres yeah i mean um, that's that's where like the montalan projects come into handy right so like if yeah. i if so i did you have anything the... in, in your portfolio that was watchdogsy no not really i mean okay. that's, the, that's the strange thing right um but like if i hadn't gotten that job at ubisoft and osaka like back in 2014 or 2015 um I would have moved off onto like the post-apocalyptic stuff for Last of Us, and then I would have done that for a month, and then I probably would have moved off on something urban, and then I would have moved off onto something fantasy, and then it would have been I would have been jumping around a lot. Yeah, I think I had like a like a Elder Scrolls Six on my list or something at one point as well. Oh, okay, uh, that was another thing because Bethesda. And now there's was no there. point in doing that now, right? So yeah, anyone listening, don't pointless. don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or do a prequel. Do something. Right. Or I Elder Scrolls like. Seven or something. Yeah, um, but yeah, it was. Like that would have rectified that. But at the same time, it's kind of like wh when I tell people when they're applying to jobs, don't just throw your portfolios at people randomly. You need to like have a focused effort of where you want to work, not not strictly what projects you want to work on most of the time. Because I knew I wanted to work at Ubisoft in Montreal. But if you look at all of our projects that we do, stuff like Watch Dogs, Far Cry, Assassin's Creed, like it's all kind of different, you know? Like mm. so. It, depending on what you hit, like they just want you in the studio at some point, like if you yeah. can sort of diversify a little bit. So it was like, I couldn't have aimed for a watchdogs because at the time I didn't even know they were working on a watchdogs three. Like I just, I got the interview and like, okay, the IP is actually watchdogs. We're doing, um, we're going to be doing a sequel and it's going to be set 
in a place that you know quite well they said that was the only thing that they told me i was like that could be japan or london norwich? i'm not sure right <laughs> yeah <laughs> ironically norwich was in the last assassin's creed game so yes it was i could have been right that which was. was really that was bizarre right did you have any conversation i mean you must have had no, conversations was, all that stuff was done by the time by I the got time on. you yeah which was oh, a shame. Would have been, that, I'd have loved to have been a fly on a wall and have that conversation. And Yeah, wh one of the funny things about um, Valhalla was uh, the settlement that you set up as the main character is called Ravensthorpe. And in West Yorkshire, where I went to college, there was a there was a town called Ravensthorpe, like pretty close by. And they had no idea that, like the Assassin's Creed team had no idea that Ra Ravensthorpe was a real place. Like they thought they what? invented this amazing name and they were like, yeah, it's perfect. Because Thorpe did they means, not know that? Right. And like Thorpe is, uh, I think it's the old English word for like farmstead or something or settlement or something. And obviously it's the Raven clan. So Ravensthorpe like was perfect for them. And they were like, yeah. they were super proud of themselves with this name. I was like, there's like two Ravensthorpes in England. <laughs> yeah. Like, gosh, it was hilarious. How about you Google it? Right. You pat yourselves on the back. So hilarious. <laughs> Stuff happens all the time. Wow. That is great. That yeah. is great. Um, yeah, but I, I like going around Norwich and like running around. And the major thing I took was a bit, bit hilly, bit hilly. Yeah, a little here. bit. Yeah, bit too many hills here. Yeah, but and you can you definitely walk. You can definitely walk to Scarborough in about five minutes as well. Just running across <laughs> the grass. Just like, running across a few fields. And yeah, there. exactly. And then you're in Scarborough. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, or like follow the is it is the river? I don't know what if is the river go out of Great Yarmouth? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, like just follow the river to Great Yarmouth. No, yeah. I don't know if I've got my geography right there, but yeah, yeah, um, it's, it, yeah. The condensed map was a bit disorientating, especially like because obviously we went to Union yeah. Norwich, and it's probably like if I was ever, if I ever had to return to the UK, then Norwich would probably be the place I moved to. Like it's my favorite place in the UK, so you know, yeah, it was it was nice to visit there and Assassin's Creed, even even if it was like a little bit of a small scale. Yeah, I mean Buckinghamshire is just about twenty minutes away, twenty five minutes away from here, and the river ooze is in the game and right. i used to live on the river ooze um and yeah so i walked all around it so i go i must have walked around where my settlement was uh, yeah. old stony stratford which is around and to toaster now um, one one of the oldest settlements in 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 history uh, in in the uk that's been continuously lived in yeah. uh so it would have been it should have been in the assassin's creed game and i didn't see a toaster although it would in roman times it would have been lactodorium lacto Todorium or something like that. Anyway, it sounds like a condition, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, I've got a <laughs> lacto Todorium. Yeah. There's definitely medicine for that. <laughs> um, we're kind of a bit off off topic, really. But yes. So that yeah, is definitely. your story of how you invented Assassin's Creed Japan. Yeah. And, and it's interesting that your game idea kind of got realised. Yeah, just not by us. Just Wrong not company. by you. Should have applied to a different company. Should have applied to a sucker punch because they yeah. clearly, they clearly saw that you know Ubisoft weren't making it, and they were like, you know what, we're sick of you guys not making this yeah. thing, so we're we're just gonna go and do it. And, and you know, it. you what you worked on Assassin's Creed, so you know you did that. I'm at uni. I'm doing video games. I'd love to work in the games industry. Ticked it off the list. Ticked it off the list. Yeah, I mean, I've been I've been quite fortunate with uh, all of the like Ubisoft IPs. The the only one the the only big one that I haven't worked on now is Far Cry, um, but I've worked on Watch Dogs, worked on Assassin's Creed, twice, uh, worked on Odyssey as well, worked on um, the Division Two. I did some key art for that. For Honor did a little bit of key art for that. Mm. So 
I've been I've been quite well lucky. Used. Yeah. Yeah, I've been is quite that, lucky to jump around. Is that quite unique to the profession? Kind of as well. Because like the like uh, the thing that I mentioned before when I worked freelance for a year when I was working in the film industry, um a lot of that stuff I was doing, like sort of in the last six months of doing that work, I, I ended up doing like a, a load of uh, indie movie posters, which seems like inconsequential now. Like most of the movies that I did like never came out. But the um, like the posters themselves, like the actual work, is what we now call an in industry uh, key art or key art illustration, which is sort of when you see a game cover or you see what they call splash art on like Overwatch and things like that. When you see like the characters in high definition poses and whatever, mm. and really polished images that are put on like E3 banners and stuff. That isn't concept art. Like that's one of the biggest sort of like misconceptions about what we do. That's you key art illustration. Open the concept art folder and just put it onto a banner drop it in right um, yeah no that's not how it no. works all okay. that stuff is like hand catered and it takes a long time and key art you can spend up to like three months working on like a single image sometimes like they're that like sort of finely Poured tuned and, and right this is committees that are working on that sort of stuff so all the stuff that i did for like the um movie posters and stuff actually came in handy because then when i stepped into that like the first entry that i had into like the bigger ubisoft stuff was when I was working freelance, I, I got um, a job from someone called Will Wells. He's a creative director. At, um, I think he's at um, San Francisco studio, but he he basically works on all the key art stuff. Well, he did at the time anyway, on a load of our different IPs. And he, and he hired me freelance to work on the division two and for honor, oh, did some okay. stuff for that. And then I got my job in the, um, in the studio, but it wasn't like, they were actually separate entities completely. Like they, mm. I found out afterwards, like they had nothing to do with each other, but it was just through like pure like luck, I guess. Like I got to work on all these different things. But as a concept artist, I've only worked on um, Watch Dogs, Assassin's Creed, and I'm now on uh, Rainbow Six Quarantine, as it's known to the public at the moment. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, so, that's you- a thing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> gonna dodge around that. Yeah. yeah, we can't talk about that. Too no, I mean much. the game. The game has been announced, so I can say that I, I'm working on the game, but I can't like obviously go into any other detail other than that. Yeah, and so is your main job title, or has been? Would you call it key artist then? Uh, I was a key artist um, before I started working here, but on Watch Dogs Legion, I was um, credited as a concept artist, and on Rainbow Six Quarantine, I'll be. Uh, concept artist as well so so i think the major difference then is when you're a concept artist you are creating concept that is to be worked on for the production of the game exactly i mean concept art and key art illustration are so separate and different like and a lot of people get confused even people that are going into industry as a beginning as students they think that oh, i want to be a concept artist so my game uh, so my artwork can be on a game cover it's like you're going into the wrong job that's mm. not what it is Concept art is purely for production, and that's it. So mm. we we come in, um, and our work isn't meant to be seen by anyone but other mm. than the production team, whereas key art is meant for consumers of the game itself. Yeah. But concept art itself is just for production of the game. Either we pass our concepts on to 3D artists, lighting artists, um, marketing department. Um, it's just it's basically we're used as a tool by the um, art director to show their ideas to other people so then they can go and make it in 3D or within engine so then they can actually build it in the game so we're just like yeah. that sort of weird in-between tool which is very cool because we get to work with all like the high 
the high leadership and the projects, like all the narrative directors and stuff, when they get crazy ideas, like we're the ones that are drawing out. We're not yeah. like, you know, it, like it's it's a bunch of fun. I, and they need, they it's need the to have a pet, world. pet baboon and then they, they need to only wear blue. And the, so, the whole some of the, world some of the meetings I've been in are like that. It's yeah. it's ridiculous. Yeah. But, like, get that down it, sometimes it works. Sometimes it works. Other yeah. times it doesn't. But what it used to be, like when we were in uni, we were taught about concept artists to say, okay, this is a tool for you to show 3D artists what they need to build. Concept art has changed so much over the past sort of like five years that it, we're now passing it off to other people as well. So lighting artists and things like that. So we, like everything is getting super high detail now. And if you go and look at the concept art for stuff like The Last of Us and uh, Ghost of Tsushima and things like this, like the really high detailed stuff because we need to put mm. in a lot more information into our concepts now because it's just more people are looking at it and using it for that purposes. More so. on, uh, on the, we're getting more in the pixels, but also more teams are using that in exactly. for, for yep. things. That's the one thing I, that, that I took away mainly from your concept art that you that you showed about um, for, for Watch Dogs was the lighting. That, yep. that one thing to me was like, it was really weird in that it was uncanny. And that kind of, for me, sums up that game because it's uncanny in lots of different ways. Mm -hmm. And the lighting was really well done in the game and yep. your concepts looked like the game. And I thought, no, his drawings doesn't look like the game. The game looks like his drawings. Yeah. And, and it's, it's just it's like backwards, Whoa. right? Yeah. It's, yeah, that's, it that's the, the best, comes out. that's the best thing about doing concept art. It's not because like nine times out of 10, like when you do concepts, like they turn out nothing like the original drawing sort of thing, like when they get into game, because so many people touch it, like, or they use it as a starting point rather than, yes, you know, as off. like, as the Bible, you know, mm. but sometimes like you get, you get into projects where it's just like, this is the concept, make it look like that. Because mm. we've poured our soul into this and like the art director is like noodled to everything. So he mm. can like use this as a tool to everyone. And, and, and it's exactly what he wanted or mm. she wanted, sorry. And, and that's, that's how sometimes the game goes with um, Watch Dogs Legion and with Rainbow Six Quarantine. It's, it's definitely like that as well, where the concepts are very, very close to how the final game is looking. But it's, it is a very strange thing to see, like as the artist yourself, because you're working on this thing and it's like, oh, I'll just put a box over here. Or, oh, you know, I'll put in, like I'll cast some light that cuts right through the middle of this to sort of break up the shapes and the, all this stupid stuff that you just come up with on the fly. And then when you see like 300 other people touch it and, and, and think about it and, and actually implement that stuff, like it's, it's really gratifying. Like it's one of the best jobs in the world, just purely for all that. When you see just this colossal effort of such huge teams, you know, knocking this stuff out that, and it all started out on something that you were just like, let's put a barrel in that corner. You know, <laughs> like yeah. you just don't even think about this. Just throwing things on a screen. And yeah. you say that now, like it's so blasé. Yeah. Like you've obviously spent years honing your craft. So this is, even though that, that is what you're doing, mm. that is easier said than done. That takes a lot of skill. Oh, and yeah, for sure. And... I mean, yeah, but it's it's still like, the important thing is the reward is still the same. Like, even mm. though, like, I might be blase about, like, how I go about it, like, the when you see it in game, it's still the same. You just get the same buzz off it every single time. Yeah. It's just, like, it's the greatest thing when you see something that you've drawn, like, be realized by other people. Because yeah. it, it's not like, a, like oh, that's mine sort of thing. Like, I, mm. I never look at it like that because when you do concepts for stuff or for other people, like, they, 3D artists absolutely love concept artists. Like, it's one of the biggest myths that they get in the way and quote, unquote, and stuff. But when oh. a 3D artist is sat there going, I don't know what the hell the art director is talking about here. 
and the art director brings him a concept or brings her a concept and it's just like thank you this yeah. is exactly what i needed like they love it so it's it's all yeah. about that sort of interaction and talking with them and thinking through designs and ideas yeah. like that's that's the best thing about it my very brief very brief few months at um sony in cambridge back in the right. day yeah love i just loved looking over the the different concept art concept art drawings yeah. and then seeing the the model and at that stage not even you know lit or anything mm. and then just having a look at it and seeing what it's going to look like or what the idea of it is and then looking at the model is is great yeah yeah 3d artists love reference for sure but you're yeah. doing a lot of modeling as well and you know learning you've, you've said to i me mean that, that, yeah that's the thing that's changing with uh, mm -hmm. concept art anyway like you'll get a lot of people that are just working on uh 3d as well like i'm like i know how to do 3d like fully now and like the way concept art is going is we're building out scenes in 3d or we're actually using the engine like because we'll gray box the whole game like a lot of the time because designers need to figure out like line of sight and things like that or scale of things so it's just a game filled with all these crazy gray boxes everywhere. And you're like, okay, like now I've got to paint over the top of this to sort of show what it's going to look like. And so the work's changing a lot, like constantly, like between photo bashing and, and kit bashing and, and learning 3D and how to light and working in engines and stuff. There's a lot of more technicality behind it, but ultimately mm. it's the same goal. Like we're still just trying to show people like ideas so they can build it in game. So yeah, you know. I guess your tool, your, your palette, Color palette yeah, the is, is toolbox advanced. is getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, too. Yeah, that's like the best way to computer. look at it. Because yeah. I saw, um, I think we were probably going to do this as another topic for another week. Yeah. The um, the Last of Us concept art you did. Right. Uh, I saw that you boxed that out, and then the light was shining through. Was that your lighting reference? Yeah. So it. Piece? I mean, it. You kind of get to the point with concept art because it's not an illustration. You're not like polishing this thing for people to sort of look at as like as the end product because it's concept art you can you can use every trick and cheat in the book basically other than like stealing anyone else's artwork like that's that's a big no-no but anything before that is like is totally fine so like why why labor over the perfect perspective when you can just build something in 3d and and why labor over trying to get the light and just perfect or trying to figure out like how the bounce light is going to work of like certain objects and what color it's gonna make and like how the rim light's gonna, why figure all that stuff out when you can just literally throw a light in a 3D scene mm. and light the thing and then take the screenshot of all of this and then just paint over the top of it. Like, why wouldn't you do that? And when mm. like ultimately you get to the answer, which is there is no reason not to do that. So we just do it. Yeah. Uh, so like that's how a lot of concepts start now. And I guess the technology is there now to be able to do, to do that. Yeah. yeah. Because I remember when we was at uni, like doing ambient occlusion on things, mm -hmm. it took, it was a bit of a workaround, like you had to do this, this, and this, and then bake click go and, and then yeah. bake it out and wait. And even though we had pretty decent spec stuff, it still was still time. a process. Yep. Yeah. And now you've got all like real time like ambient occlusion and real time ray trace reflections and stuff. Like it's just, it's a solved problem at this point. So mm. it's kind of for a concept art anyway. Like obviously that's a different debate for, um, like actual graphics in games and stuff but for the most part yeah it, it, it's awesome for us you know but there's yeah. no reason to like labor over that stuff especially when you can just do it i mean if you go and look at the uh concept art for the last of us all of the stuff that you'll see on that game is all done in 3d and blender first mm. like and a lot of it's textured like 90 percent of that concept is done in 3d now Wow. Like the, it's just like the last 20 to it's like the last 15 percent 15 20 percent i would say is like really 
um, work done in Photoshop. So it's just how the industry is going. And is that how do you, is that all good? Is there anything but to say about nostalgia and because you know how to map paint as well? Yeah, is it just a time you go saver? back and forth on it? Yeah, it's time yeah. saving. That's it. Like when it comes to concept art, anything goes, and the faster you can do something, the better. And if something saves you time, I mean, the best thing about doing stuff in 3D is that if you block out a whole scene, so like the guys that are working on The Last of Us or whatever, like they block out a whole scene. If they don't, if the art director's like, yeah, this is cool, but it'd be nice if we could just turn the angle like a little bit to the right so we could see like the, like behind that building a little bit. They're like, all right, mm. no problem. And they just move the camera and then that's it. Retake the screenshot and repaint over it, done. Move some of the layers like, over. Like, of course, like we're just giving more options to, to art directors. So it, it kind of makes sense for us to do that. Mm. But there's a whole sort of ethical uh, debate going on about that within illustration, which is a whole different industry, in my opinion. But that's the way it is. Yes. And to the outsider, it might not seem like that. But yeah, it's it's apples and oranges. Indeed. Um, yeah. And it's interesting to see where in the next 15 years that's going to go. So yeah, AI um, is going to be a huge factor in this, I think. Like that's something that a lot of people are keeping their eye on for, especially for concept art, like for character designers, like you look at the stuff that Unreal are doing at the moment with the sort of auto-generated characters that you can do, where you can just hit randomize 20 mm. times until you vaguely get something and screenshot that and then paint over it. It's like, why wouldn't you? Like you're just saving time. Yeah. So it's, and I think scanning as well, yeah. like um, photo scanning, like yep. real world, you thing. just have a camera going around an environment and it's just in the game. Yeah. Well, why especially wouldn't you? you know? Especially for like concept art and perspectives. Yeah. And Just why wouldn't you? Like a lot of people talk about this sort of stuff. Like, oh, they'd never do that. They'd never remove um, artists from their job, you know? Like, but why would you hire 300 plus um, 3D artists in 10 years time to work mm. on one project when you can hire 10 photographers to go out and scan an environment instead? Mm. It's just, it's just logical, you know? <laughs> like just, and it would save them so much time. So, yeah. Can you talk about, I don't know if you can mention about what's, Watchdogs, uh, legions. It would depend on whether or not it's been announced or not. But mm. uh, so we're talking about photo scanning, and I've brought up Watchdog Legions. Have you got yep. anything that you can say about that? Uh, I don't actually know anything about the three uh, D pipeline. I got game. I guess mm. like I'm sure there was probably some photo scanning somewhere. Like it wouldn't surprise me. Like this is like I constantly see this debate from gamers which is like the outside perspective looking in about mm. the games industry, which is um, the reusing of assets. That debate infuriates me mm. because for like the last five years, the last 10 years, I would say, we've been using things like speed tree to just all generate trees, right? Yeah. And we don't make trees anymore in games. We haven't for years. Like we do sometimes if it's like a really, a really specific a particular tree. specific tree, right? But like for the average tree, what you're running past in the landscape, nine times out of ten, it's going to be made in speed tree, which is not a generated tool. Yeah. Or it's going to be reused. Look at some, yeah. Yeah. And or even procedurally so generated based on some inputs already agreed and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just the oral generated stuff over the past 10 years. Over the past mm. five years, it's been all Quixel scans or mega scans where like if you look at a landscape in, in a game, like uh, Hellblade is a really good example. Hellblade is like 90% mega scans, but no one no one gives a crap, you know? Mm. Like they're reused in multiple different projects like across, like between movies and TV shows and video games. The exact same scan, the exact same asset is just used over and over and over again. No one ever talks about it. Mm. But if a game like Pokemon comes along and they reuse all the Pokemon, 
like everyone freaks out about it. It's like they've been doing this stuff for years. It's just people don't realize that it's happening mm. and they're only complaining about it now when it's it's none of it makes sense to me. Like in my opinion, we should just be using anything that we've got, especially if your own studio has already made it in the past. Like why wouldn't you be using it again? Like it's mm. absolutely ridiculous. Like it's crazy that you wouldn't. So I, I just don't. I don't get it. <laughs> it, it me, confuses hell. Yeah, out. to me, it's like what what do what do people feel like they want to get out of a video game? Because right. the end result shouldn't be, I want new models. Yeah, like That's why? Why are we remaking game. rocks over and over and over again? Why would yeah. you? Like, it's, no, it's no one ridiculous. wants to play a video game to have new models of things. Like, right. no one would buy a game if it's look. This is the new model game. All the models are new. And there's no yeah, story I mean, there's no the, the real else. question is to them people that so do have a problem with that sort of stuff as you're saying is you ask them would you prefer to have a game in four years time with just reused models or assets that you never actually really notice are there unless you really looked and stuff like there's a load of trees in red dead redemption uh two that literally lifted out of grand theft auto 5 you know there's mm. like they're there and stuff and people have found them do you really care about that stuff or would you have rather them spend an extra two years working Making on them assets to the remake, trees. you know, just remake an asset? Mm. Like, no, you don't care. Like, just mm. let them let them reuse the assets and get the game out, you know? Mm. Like, that's, and that's pretty much where I stand as well. Like, as long as they're making stuff, why should we care? When it comes to realistic stuff like trees and rocks and landscapes that exist in, like, that are modeled on mm-hmm. real world things, I can't see what the problem is. Yeah. Um, Blows my mind it's like yeah because then you get into the argument of well if this game features you know um st paul's cathedral mm-hmm. well, i want to and another game also features st paul's cathedral it's like well let's just copy in that game you've just list, lifted that game it's exactly the same like yeah i want a new game it's like okay and, so, well, and sometimes you can do that and sometimes you can't game. like there was a load of i'm pretty sure there was a load of assets which you know they probably tried to bring over from like assassin's creed syndicate and put into watchdogs legion or something but the doorways are bigger and like the scales off and the texture um, sizes have changed because of the new generations or like the engine improves in some way so they can't actually import the like there's so many weird technical things that is it hard to just to you know you just anyway. can't do it sometimes so yeah i wouldn't be surprised if that was different model for, for technical yeah. reasons if there was a way to for, to for them to copy and paste it and do it cheaply and it work they yeah why wouldn't of course they would. for one yeah it's some, it's some, if it looks like St. Paul's Cathedral, it doesn't matter, does it? Yeah, especially if it's a real-world thing. But, yeah, it it doesn't always matter, though, because, like, when it comes to stylized stuff, like, the, you know, you can't you can't just reuse that stuff because you need to build that stuff from scratch, like yeah. something like that looks like a Ghibli movie or something. So, you know, yeah. It, every, yeah and every case is different. Stylized stuff is, yeah. Yeah. I like stylized stuff. And, yeah, re, we, otherwise, everything would be a simulation. Indeed. Um, well, I think that that's way. probably is that a pretty good place to, to wrap. Yeah, I up? think so too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we've got kind of got off topic from Assassin's Creed Japan. It's all good. But in a but nutshell, yeah, that's 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 basically what happened. Um, that's what I, happened. Yeah, I mean the way that it worked out, I, I I got hired because of Assassin's Creed Japan. Unfortunately, we never got around to making it, which is a shame. But at the same time, as we've mentioned on uh, last week as well, um, you know, Ghost of Tsushima does exist. So it does exist. It's so just. You- you kind a different of did context. create Assassin's Creed Japan. You kind of did. A little did. bit. You had your hand in, in, in playing. I'm it. sure there was some influence, though. I I would I would like to think. Like we, I don't know if we can talk about that, but there was there was definitely some hints that it might have, you know, might have come into some discussion somewhere. 
about like yeah it's that's a whole a different lot is, thing now. yeah that is a whole different thing but what we can say is because you did some drawings and it got shown on kotaku i mean mm. i would definitely some people that worked on the game would have seen the article back in the day yeah for sure. i can yeah i, so I know that's not directly true, or indirectly least. you have probably had a hand in producing something akin to Assassin's Creed Japan, which is kind right. of cool. Right, so, so, but that is a, yeah, that is a long shot to sort of put yeah. through. But yeah, I mean, it happens a lot where- You're linked to it. Yeah, yeah. so there's some there's some chain there, I guess. But And in that yeah. respect, so am I. I'm part of that journey because we had conversations about it. So I'm- a, yeah. Isn't that weird? I mean, like it was strange <laughs> for me last year because I was, I'm working at Ubisoft in Montreal, which is the biggest game studio in the world. It's the biggest uh, Ubisoft studio in the world. We work on Assassin's Creed. And my favorite game last year was uh, Ghost of Tsushima. And it was just this really weird moment of realization of like, holy shit, like this is like everything which I was sort of hoping for and getting around to. Like I work at the studio I want to work at and I got the game that I wanted to get. So I'm a happy boy. What can I yeah. say? The game exists Life is good. that we wanted to exist. Yeah. yeah. And that's Indeed. been, that's my game. That was definitely my game of the year. And it's, it's one of my favorite games for sure. Such a great game. Like I'm actually, I'm, I'm debating if I should start replaying it again now. I need to anyway because, like, once you've got, online. we need to get online. That is the, uh, that is the next step. But Maybe on Twitch or something. Who knows? Indeed. Yeah, we can but figure then, that out. Then people will be like, "No, yeah, you got to press this button." <laughs> and we'll be like, "Yeah, you need to go over there to that barrel and then yeah, you tell you that. all the story." By the way, Jin dies in the multiplayer. You motherfucker. Oh, yeah, no. that, that, whole, <laughs> that whole thing. Yeah. That'd be hilarious if Jin di- if Jin dies in the multiplayer and they're like, oh, can't do can't do two then. Shame. That's how it ends. <laughs> Always new characters. Female character, why not? Like Female ran- random rogue geisha. Like I could come up with a story for that. I did the Assassin's Creed Japan stuff. I'll even draw some stuff out. You've got story there. Hint hint, um, games companies that are working on it, maybe. Yeah, but you've got some call. story stuff, so. <laughs> yeah, I need to finish on Rainbow Six Quarantine first. Oh, we'll okay. see. We shall see. But anyway, yeah, we should uh, wrap this thing up anyway. Uh, thank you, yes. everyone, for joining in and uh, listening to us this week uh, ramble on about Assassin's Creed in Japan and my <laughs> weird adventures to get there. But yeah, if you are interested in uh, following us, then please subscribe and like, um, click the bell icon or whatever the hell it is yeah, so you get can the get notified. So you can get notified whenever we're... Um, Putting up new episodes. We release stuff. I think it's roughly Monday. Is it Monday afternoonish that things get? Yeah, come it's out? it's Very basically Monday. Time. It's the best best way to describe it because, like, if you're in America, then what you get on Monday is it'll be Monday morning for you. But then in England, it'll probably be during the day. And then if you're in Russia, then you're probably doing Wait, something else. I'm I don't think sure. we've got any Russian listeners yet. I don't think so. Not yeah. yet. One day. Maybe one day. Also, if you're Russian, please leave a comment. <laughs> That is the high bar. Get Russian subscribers. Um, but yeah, where can people find you, Chris? Uh, at Acrylic Pixel on my Twitter. And I think that's my YouTube as well. Cool. And, you? and yeah, you can find me. I am at Hillfort Games on Twitter. You can also find uh, some stuff on uh, ArtStation, which we mentioned today, uh, which is Vin Hill Arts. If you look for me on there, then you'll be able to find me. But yeah, a load of other concept art from other games that I've worked on as well. If you're interested in that sort of stuff, especially in the discussion that we've had today, but um, other than that, you can follow Chris and me for um, indie game stuff on uh, Twitter as well, because we're doing a lot of that stuff as well. So, yes. Yep. So until next time, we'll catch you later. So, See ya. Bye bye. Bye bye.